1: Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back. It's Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on BuffaloRumblings.com and everywhere else you go to get your fine Bills-related podcasts. My name is John Boccasino, being joined, as we always are, by Jamie D'Amico on this podcast. Jamie, not sure if you realize this or not, but last week's episode when we previewed the Miami Dolphins was actually a pretty special one in show history. Was it? Do explain. It was our 200th episode of Believe. Was it really? Hell yeah, buddy. We are, we're now officially old. I think the kids would say we've made it. How did you know it was the 200th? So I have a database where I keep all of the uh, show episodes, even though they're on this thing called the World Wide Web, may or may not stick around. I'm not sure. I'm still, the jury's out. You think so? That series of interconnected tubes and tunnels has some staying power? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to stick around. Well they, they have all of our episodes for uh you know for the rest of time saved on on the websites, but I have the actual MP three files for all of our episodes and I was going through posting the one last week and I, I went to upload the file and it said two hundred. So holy shit, we've done 200 Believes going back to myself when I was doing it solo and Anthony Marino came on board and then you joined our fine podcast team more than a year and a half ago with Believe. Uh it's been great to have you on board and we are now doing our 201st episode of Believe. So
0: the 200th episode of of Believe as a whole including BJD before Jamie D'Amico,
1: Correct. We okay, have to differentiate gotcha. the BJD era. This was a uh, – yeah, I don't know how many um, – I'd have to go back and crunch the numbers. How many were solo, how many had Anthony Marino, and how many had on my ginger friend Jamie D'Amico from down in D.C. way. But all told, there have been 200 episodes of Bill Eve. I – wow. Well, good job, you.
0: You've given birth to the Buffalo Rumblings <laughs> family of podcasts, which now has – more content. We really should be calling ourselves
1: the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. You know, we we absolutely should. I mean, I believe we are up to, as I punch up the article here, we have Believe, Buffalo Rumblings Q&A, Breaking Buffalo Rumblings, Code of Conduct with Jay Spence, the Bruce Exclusive, the Buff Hub, of course, your Jamie D and Big Newt podcast, the Overreaction Pod, Food for Thought, the Chop Up Hump Day Hotline, Off Taco with John Fina, Bill's Mafia Time to Shine, Not Another Buffalo Podcast, and Circling the Wagons. That's 15 podcasts in our massive family of podcasts.
0: (laughs) And I'm not saying this to, to pat ourselves on the back, but there's some really good content coming out of those podcasts. I mean, the fact that we now have Nate Geary and John Fina as part of it, are you kidding me? And oh dude, <laughs> And let's be honest, Bruce Nolan with the Bruce exclusive is as good as anything you were going to find anywhere out there. He's so knowledgeable. I, I don't even I don't even know how to
1: talk to that guy. He knows so much
0: more than I do.
1: <laughs> we are just we're just fortunate to be along for the ride. Although Bill Eve was the OG of podcasts, if you will, <laughs> on the Buffalo Rumblings family, we have grown exponentially uh, during that time, and it's great to have all these thriving podcasters bringing you guys your content day. I mean, there's multiple podcasts per day that we're launching here on the Buffalo rumblings family of podcasts. And we're so pleased you took the time to download us, the Dossett tones of John Boccasino and Jamie D'Amico. We are getting you ready for week nine. The Buffalo bills are heading to Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars. And half of this podcasting duo will be there in Jacksonville cheering on the bills. We sure will. But which one? Oh, it's me. (laughs) (laughs) Jamie tell our audience about your uh, your your adventures and how they can maybe meet up with you if they're interested doing the pregame tailgate
0: oh yeah this is something that was organized by uh, our illustrious leader of the DC Bills backers Gregory Wall every year he puts together a trip for us whether it's back to Buffalo for home game or a road game this year he asked the crowd and people said, you know what? We want to go where the weather is warm. So we're headed down to Jacksonville and we are tailgating in the Jacksonville fairgrounds, which is right across the street from the stadium. You too can join the tailgate. I believe there will be a fee to get in. But God, if you're there, strengthen numbers, man. Oh, in the night before, we're going to a place called Locals. It's a bar. They are welcoming us with open arms for a little... Night before
1: party. So I can actually vouch for uh, for locals and for the whole Jacksonville scene. Uh, My buddies and I. Yeah, we went down to Jacksonville uh, back in the 2013 season when Buffalo and Jacksonville had very little to play for, uh, which was often the case uh, during the playoff drought era. The Bills, I think, had three or four wins heading into the game and the Jaguars probably had the same And uh, Buffalo won the game. Uh, E.J. Manuel was the starting quarterback. I think it was, they won by a touchdown. I'm not going to get the score off the top of my head. But what I remember most was we had left like a driving snowstorm in Rochester. And there were 10 of us uh, that went down from my season ticket group. And we partied pretty hard the night before, uh, went back to the hotel. We all made these promises of We're waking up early. And we did, we, we stuck it out. My, my one buddy was in a bit of rough shape, uh, wasn't able to enjoy much of the pregame tailgate the next day, but we went to locals. And one of my buddies in that group Went to go uh, use the bathroom at locals, and he comes back with this ginormous, like football, like a yard of beer in this like massive football pitcher. And we're like, "Where the hell did you get that from? <laughs> you went to the bathroom and you came back with beer? Magic." That sounds disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> no, no offense to locals or anything, but no, it was it was it was great. The the Jaguars crowd was very. Uh, apathetic um as as you can imagine for a team that had again three or four wins coming in but i mean you're gonna have a great time down there and the bills actually are good and are heavy favorites i believe they're 14 and a half point favorites for those interested in keeping track of that magic number and uh you know the bills are five and two the jags are one and six Jamie what i know we talked about this last week and it, my words proved to be a little bit prophetic in it being a trap game and that the first half against the Dolphins, the Bills were lucky to not be trailing. There was a missed field goal. There was that snap in motion that hit Mike Jacecki that the Bills recovered. So for the first half, it seemed like it was kind of a, a trap game for the Bills. I don't think there's any reason to think this week's game is going to be a trap. The Jaguars are an absolute dumpster fire. What are your thoughts on this matchup?
0: Starting with last week, I was way too confident going into the game, but it was made very clear to me that the Dolphins are better than their record shows. I dismissed them because of all the off-the-field intrigue of trying to trade for Deshaun Watson and and it turns out they're tough. They're tough. The Jaguars are not. the jaguars are bottom of the league in offense and defense they have so many injuries they just what is it going to take for the bills to win this game well i'll tell you this is what it was last week and this is something that the bills faced many times during the drought which is the bills would play tough for two, three quarters, but the game would just eventually get away from them because the team that had more talent just was able to outlast them. That's what happened against the Dolphins. That is definitely going to happen against the Jaguars if they're able to play it close. I don't see it happening though. Between the injuries, the fact that they have a head coach in Urban Meyer who probably doesn't belong in the NFL. I don't think he has the locker room. I think the Bills are going to be able to jump out to an early lead, and then they're going to start doing what teams used to do to the Bills, which is they're going to work on stuff. They're going to bring in some backups, see how they're playing. They're going to try adjusting the scheme a little bit. They may not win this game by 40 points. They may win this game only by you know, 14, 21 points, but it's going to be a comfortable one.
1: The Jacksonville Jaguars are indeed not a good football team, although their one win on the year is over those Miami Dolphins uh, in London when Trevor Lawrence put together one of the best games of his rookie season. And, And Jamie, when we talk about the Bills and the Jaguars, it's hard not to... Think back to the 2017 wild card round when Buffalo, led by Terod Taylor, broke the playoff drought. They traveled to Jacksonville to face Blake Bortles and the Jaguars and fell 12 to 3 in the wild card round. And then the Bills went out and were like, you know what? Terod is not the answer. We're going to spend high draft capital and bring in Josh Allen. They traded up to take him number seven overall in the 2018 NFL draft. Four years later, less than four years later, that move is proving out to be an incredible return on the investment. Uh, Josh is an all-pro quarterback, and he's the franchise quarterback that Bills fans have been dreaming of since Jim Kelly walked off into the sunset after the 1996 season. The Jaguars want to find themselves in the position that Buffalo is in. Now, they had to spend a little bit more. I mean, they were, they were terrible. They got the number one overall pick, and they get Trevor Lawrence out of Clemson. What similarities do you see? Because Trevor Lawrence is getting maligned, uh, rightfully so, for the team's struggles. But I think it's eerily reminiscent of what Josh Allen's rookie season was when you look at the numbers and you look at what Josh went through on a bad team versus what Trevor Lawrence is going through on an equally bad team.
0: There are some similarities, but let's start with the differences. Josh Allen was drafted as a project. He was not recruited out of high school. He went the junior college route. He played one season at Wyoming, whereas Trevor Lawrence played in the ACC as a freshman, won the national championship, played the best of the best, played for a great coach in Debo Sweeney. That's who's coaching Clemson, right?
1: Yes. Yes, it is. For now. For now.
0: Right. And the expectations are that Trevor Lawrence was going to be a generational quarterback. Incredibly different expectations. The other side of it is, Josh Allen was walking into a more talented roster than what the Jacksonville Jaguars have. The Bills... As you said, we're coming off a playoff appearance. Now, granted, they decided to take their medicine and get everything straight with the salary cap that year. So, okay. Yeah. Robert Foster was his top receiver. John Bacasino, favorite, Robert Foster, oh, was their top receiver. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, Trevor Lawrence is throwing to better receivers. Marvin Jones, he's solid. LaVisca Chenault was a high draft pick who many compared to former Buffalo Bill Josh Reed. I hope Chenault has a better career than that, at least for people playing fantasy football. But the the differences to me stand out, but the similarities in that it seems like Trevor Lawrence is learning the pro game and he's also trying to do too much. When I watch him play, and I've only seen him a few times, I feel like he's pressing... He's trying to throw the ball downfield when guys are covered. There's a lot of drops that are happening. It, it seems like he hasn't figured out how to trust his teammates yet. And for good reason, mind you. And that is exactly what we saw in Josh Allen, the hero ball thing. He's not playing within himself. And the thing is, Trevor Lawrence has the talent to turn it on and to become a pro the way Josh Allen has.
1: I think it's interesting when you talk about the teams and the makeup and the Jaguars are pretty bereft of talent. I mean, their defense can be OK, uh, and we'll get into that when it comes to the, the matchups. But their offensive line is atrocious. Um, their weapons are OK, uh, led by Cheneau. Uh, James Robinson is a decent running back, but he's got a heel injury. He's probably going to be sidelined uh, for the game on Sunday. And, And Trevor Lawrence, so the reason I was bringing up the similarities is, yeah, the hero ball tendencies, learning to take what's in front of you versus going downfield and trying to force it into a tight window. In college, those receivers are open and you can make those connections. In the pros, the windows get even tighter. The coverage is even better, and it's harder to make those really acrobatic and ridiculous throws uh, that you can get away with in in college. And I think Trevor Lawrence has adjusted somewhat um, to this. Again, coming into the season, everyone knew that he was going to be the starting quarterback, and it was going to be a very tough adjustment for him. And he has nine interceptions so far through seven games for Jacksonville. The Bills are incredibly opportunistic at forcing turnovers. They lead the NFL in turnovers forced since 2017. Trevor has cut down his interceptions, he had seven of those nine picks in the first 3 games. So the first 3 games, he's averaging more than 2 interceptions per game. He has just 2 over his last 4. So he is making some of those adjustments, but I feel like this matchup Jamie boy, the Bills knowing that James Robinson is most likely sidelined, you're going to see Greg Rousseau and Jerry Hughes and that front four, Ed Oliver, Star Latulele, really be able to pin their ears back and get after Jacksonville. And Trevor has not done well when it comes to facing the Blitz. That happens to a lot of rookie quarterbacks, but he in particular has not been very proficient at dealing with the Blitz.
0: Yes. And what happens when he's looking at a blitz? He's going to have to get the ball out of his hands quickly. And when he gets his ball out, the ball out of his hands quickly, he does not have the type of receivers that are game breakers. Marvin Jones is a nice receiver. Uh, in, in fact, he's very good at getting off of press coverage. He's 6'2", 200 pounds. He's got decent size. But you know what? He's not the fastest receiver. So you're going to be able to make sure that everything is staying in front of you. You've got Dan Arnold, their tight end who he's a nice player. He's not great. Um, And I just, if, if they're running Carlos Hyde, their second stringer, it's, I, I'm not convinced that they're going to be able to get the ground game going. So what do they do? Well, you live and die by the sword and that's, throwing the ball with a rookie quarterback, and he's going to put it up. And the way the Bills' safeties are playing, when he puts the ball up in the air, I, I'm i looking at this being the type of game where you might see Hyde and Poyer each get themselves an interception.
1: Hyde and Poyer, by the way, are the only tandem in the league that have three plus interceptions uh, on the year. They are both a turnover machine at the back of that Buffalo secondary and Trevor Lawrence is prone to making those mistakes. I do want to real quick, Jamie uh, on the comparisons of Josh to Trevor. Now it's a, a larger sample size. I don't have the first seven games for Josh Allen's career, but in 2018, Josh Allen played 12 games, started 11. The one of course that he didn't start was the Ravens game when Nathan Peterman was sacked into oblivion, and they had to bring in Josh on that awful road atmosphere to see what he could do for his rookie debut. But Josh's rookie year, he completed 52.8% of his passes, 10 touchdowns, 12 picks. He averaged 173 yards per game with a quarterback rating of 67.9. Trevor Lawrence, in his first seven games, eight touchdowns, nine picks, 59.6% completion percentage. He's averaging 243 yards per game with a quarterback rating of 74.0. So on the surface, Trevor's had more success, but I think a lot of that's also due to the Jaguars being down so much. Like his only touchdown that he threw last week was when they were down 24-0 to the Seahawks, and he threw a garbage time touchdown, I believe, to Dan Arnold to get them on the scoreboard, so Trevor's accumulating his stats, but it's I just I, it's interesting to watch the parallels and the fact that yes, Josh came from Wyoming and had the rep as being a very wild prospect type of developmental quarterback, whereas Trevor was from the, AC, the ACC and the powerhouse known as Clemson. But I don't know they they have a very similar trajectory through the first seven games of their NFL career.
0: It it is interesting. Um, I I think that you're going to see. Fewer bumps in the road as they build a team around Trevor Lawrence, just based on the fact that he's had better coaching up until his pro career began. And I don't know what the hell is going on in Jacksonville these days, what kind of coaching he's getting. But, you know, being at a powerhouse program, you know, coming out as a five-star recruit, I mean, they've been talking about this guy for a long time. Ever since he was a freshman, they're like, yeah, this guy is going to be a great NFL quarterback. Those expectations can be an awful lot, but he's going to turn it on. And he's, I, I see him overall following that trajectory. And eventually, I wouldn't be shocked if he becomes an MVP candidate himself, but that is reliant upon the team around him being good. Look at Matthew Stafford. How many years was he playing for a terrible team? He may be a top five quarterback in the NFL. Matthew Stafford may well end up being a Hall of Famer with the statistics that he's accumulated. But outside of having Calvin Johnson, hasn't been a lot around him uh, until he got to the Rams. That that may end up being an interesting career comparison after he sort of gets himself over the hump and becomes a quality pro starter. Because it's coming. It's going to happen. He's going to have some flash moments as a rookie this season, and people are going to take notice because he was the number one overall pick. And like I said, so much fanfare surrounding him. But hopefully that doesn't happen this week.
1: I don't think it will. I think that Leslie Frazier, we talked about this last week. We're coming off of the bye Frazier was getting in his defenders faces saying we cannot get complacent. We need more turnovers. And you saw that against the Dolphins. They were trying to punch the ball free. They were going for that turnover battle to force two, three, four turnovers and give the Bills a short field to operate on offense. And I feel like with James Robinson most likely being sidelined, uh, with DJ Chalk being uh, DJ Chark being sidelined with a fractured ankle. The Jaguars really don't have anything uh, when it comes to a speed threat that can take the top off of this defense and make the Bills back off and, and respect uh, what they're doing on offense. Travis Etienne suffered a season-ending injury uh, to his foot uh, back in August, so there really isn't that home run hitter. And what the Jaguars are left with are a bunch of Decent receiver options who can't stretch the field, who are more of the string together catch after catch after catch. But I don't think the Bills are going to give up much to Jacksonville in the way of offense. If the Seahawks revamp defense, which is far worse than Buffalo's, can hold Jacksonville scoreless until the fourth quarter, I think Buffalo's going to have a field day on Sunday. And I want to go down to the matchups of the tight end in particular, because I feel like the best weapon that uh, Trevor Lawrence has at his disposal is actually Dan Arnold, believe it or not. Um, I feel like he's their most consistent pass catcher. He's been seeing 8, 9, 10 targets a game over the last couple of weeks, and he's had some pretty solid performances, and we know the Bills have struggled in the past with covering tight ends. So what's your game plan then if you're Leslie Frazier and you are you know you can generate pressure because the O-line is not great, so you can get pressure with the front four? How do you take away Trevor's best weapons?
0: First and foremost, you have to take a look at how the Jacksonville Jaguars attack opposing defenses, and they do it with the RPO, the run-pass option. So what they're going to try to do is very likely they're going to try to bring the linebackers up closer to the line of scrimmage with the threat of the run and then try to get it to Dan Arnold behind them. What I do, if I'm Leslie Frazier... I bring Jordan Poyer down into the box and I I match Dan Arnold up man to man with a defender, whether it be, you know, whether it be Matt Milano, Edmonds, Poyer, that's what I want to do. I want to take him out of the game and then roll the dice with my uh with my cornerbacks matched up man to man as well. Single high safety, I think, is what's going to do it against this team on early downs, and that's how you take Dan Arnold out of it. Okay, you can obviously go to your two deep because Lawrence is not afraid to throw the ball deep. They run a lot of seam routes too with Dan Arnold, but if they're running the RPO, match up man-to-man.
1: How about when it comes to the wide receiver weapons? We've mentioned LaVisca Chanel being a decent threat for Jacksonville, and Marvin Jones is a a kind of a wily veteran who can find his way open across the field. Levi Wallace, I think, is going to be one of those guys who really is under the microscope. He struggled big time guarding Devontae Parker last week. A lot of yak, a lot of yards after the catch uh, for Devontae Parker. Uh, Tua found a really good rhythm with him for much of the game. What about Levi? How do you make him stand up a little bit better when it comes to dealing with the more physical wide receivers like a Cheneau and a Marvin Jones. And
0: they're big guys. Cheneau, who I accidentally called Cheneault earlier, my bad, um, <laughs> 6'1". Uh, Marvin Jones, 6'2". Uh, Cheneau is actually 227. So a, a big body dude, that's what Levi struggles with. So no matter who he's matched up upon, you know that the Jaguars are going to be looking in his direction. So what does he do? Well, I feel like Levi Wallace has actually been fairly solid this year. And granted, Devontae Parker had some had some catches early in the game, including a, a great catch that they should have called interference on Levi Wallace for. Wallace was all over him pulling on his jersey and, and Parker still came down with the ball. I'm like, well, come on, man. If you're going to commit pass interference that badly, at least make sure the guy doesn't catch it. <laughs> but anyway, um, it's you know it's going to be a challenge. You know they're going to be looking at him. I'm just looking at Wallace staying close, getting a hand in the guy's face, knocking it away if he can, and really, I'm relying on the pass rush to bail him out a little bit. But again, Wallace, I feel like he has acquitted himself fairly well over the course of the season. He looks to me like a more confident player than he has been. In previous seasons, he's sort of tailed off toward the end of the year. We'll see if that happens. But I have more confidence in him this year than I've had any, any of his seasons up to this point.
1: Which is great because Trey White is playing once again at all pro level productivity. So if you get White and Wallace matched up and Wallace playing more confident, that's going to bode well for the Buffalo secondary when it comes to clamping down on the opposing wide receivers. <laughs> We've kind of gone through, Jamie, the Jacksonville offense. I feel like the Bills can generate pressure, but I'm really looking at one guy in particular to have a huge game when it comes to the pass rush. And I hope God blesses this man too. I'm looking directly at Ed Oliver. I'm hoping and praying he had a great game against Miami, as did Jerry Hughes, who was a wrecking ball out there on defense. I think Ed Oliver could line up to have a very nice game against the suspect offensive line for Jacksonville.
0: That is interesting that you bring that up, because he will very likely be matched up against Andrew Norwell, a former Pro Bowl guard who, at 6'6", 325 there was talk about him being traded for by the buffalo bills before the trade deadline that's going to be a tough matchup for him do you think that they're probably going to move ed oliver around so he can maybe be lined up over their other guard ben barch
1: i mean i think the matchup would definitely play better if you were going up against barch but i think what we saw last week from Oliver when it came to Miami where he put together a really outstanding effort against the Dolphins. I think I want to see him go up against the opposing team's best interior offensive lineman, so that we know that Ed Oliver has arrived by putting together a second straight solid performance on the quarterback. Um, I know he's far behind his uh, pace for sacks on the season. Um, and he's, he's far behind. He has not gotten a sack this year yet, which is really kind of crazy because I feel like he's been in the backfield a whole bunch during a lot of the Bills games. But call me old school. I want to see my best versus your best. And if Ed Oliver wants to prove that he is coming into his own, I think this is a great spot for him.
0: Yes, it, it would be great. I, I don't know if I have as much faith in him. Miami has a terrible offensive line, maybe one of the worst in the NFL this season, and while he looked good against them, he's been pretty quiet in some games this season. Some he has acquitted himself well, but, you know, sacks aren't everything, so I'm not really really chalking it up to that because he has had some pressures going in and has had some very strong games, too.
1: Um, I don't know if I love the lineup against Andrew Norwell, though. And Norwell was a guy that Bills fans were thinking might be a trade target. Um, maybe Brandon Bean would have worked some of his magic and brought Norwell over during a trade uh, at the trade deadline. That did not happen, so Norwell is stuck in Jacksonville. Look, Norwell's really good. I mean, he's definitely a very solid interior offensive lineman. I just I almost expect Ed Oliver to be riding in on his his horse uh, and and come in and 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 cause some havoc in this game because. I think he hears it. I think he feels the pressure. I think a lot of these defensive linemen feel that pressure of, we need to generate with the front four. We can't be bringing blitzers. We can't be bringing a Taron Johnson off the corner. We need to generate the pressure ourselves. And with what Jerry Hughes does to take the pressure off of everybody else with his outstanding pass rush, it's going to create opportunities where maybe Jacksonville has to slide over and, and chip somebody or bring a tight end to contain Hughes, giving more opportunities for the rest of that defensive line to get there.
0: Yeah, uh, it, it would be really nice. Um, I, I see more great performance coming from Starlu to I, I just feel like he's been way more than we could have ever anticipated. And I think that's going to definitely help Gregory Russo coming off the right side. Uh, they'll probably use a bit of Dan Arnold to try to slow him down. And let's face it, Jerry Hughes, great player. So, I think we are going to see some pass rush. And you know what? When it comes to a younger team running stunts, running twists, moving your defensive linemen around, I think the Bills are going to be able to generate pass
1: rush. Now, Jamie, let's flip the script and look at Buffalo's offense against the Jaguars' defense. And we have a great chance to see Josh Allen versus Josh Allen. It's true. The two text with each other. They've messaged with each other. They have a relationship back and forth, uh, dating back to uh, their, their earlier days in the NFL. I think it's fascinating to watch Josh Allen, the edge rusher, going off and trying to get pressure on Josh Allen, the quarterback. What do you like about that matchup for the Bills?
0: That's a tough matchup, and he's going to be coming off the left side. And fortunately, it's not the right side where he typically lines up. Because we don't know if Spencer Brown is going to be back in the game. We has that been announced
1: yet? Uh, Spencer Brown is questionable. He has not been ruled out.
0: Not been ruled out. Okay. I like the Deion Dawkins on Josh Allen matchup. I think it's going to be a good one. Josh Allen, the pass rusher, is a very good player. He has uh I think he's got four and a half sacks already this season. And uh, you know, that has him you know, in, in the hunt for top 25-ish in the NFL, uh, 19 solo tackles. So he is a pass rushing specialist, but I like Deion Dawkins. Uh, and and I think Deion Dawkins is going to be able to do a good job controlling him on the pass rush. What concerns me a little bit more is if you're looking at the defensive line of the, uh, of the Jags, Malcolm Brown and Devon Hamilton are huge. They're both 320 plus and they're the types of dudes that the Bills have shown a hard time moving in the running game. So, what what's going to happen there? Well, maybe they're going to run off the right side a little more, run at Dwayne Smoot who tips the scales at only 260. But like I said, it's going to be a good matchup going back to what we were talking about, Allen against uh against Dawkins. I mean, this is where Dawkins is going to earn his paycheck.
1: And I think he's getting stronger and stronger in that recovery from COVID-19 from earlier before the season started. I, I just I can't wait to watch that matchup. And I also I think that that's one of the areas where, you know, Buffalo's offensive line. This is, again, a prove it type of game. You've got underachievers in Jacksonville's Clavon Chason, who is very talented, very raw, but has not come into his own as an edge rusher. To compliment Josh Allen, I think he only has one sack on the season. I'm thinking, Jamie, with Feliciano, who has been subpar this year, he's sidelined. He's going to miss this game. If Spencer Brown doesn't play either, you're going to see the return of Cody Ford.
0: I mean, last week, the Bills, as a team, gave up two quarterback pressures. The last time Cody Ford played, he gave up nine more. Then the two pressures the entire team gave up, personally, he gave up 11 QB pressures. Oof. There's a reason he belongs on the bench. And, and there's a reason like
1: Bucker stole his starting job.
0: Yes, absolutely. It's to the point where I'm surprised they even have a roster spot for him. Uh, they, they have given him more chances to perform than any player during the McBean regime, and... I'm just not seeing it. I I don't think he can turn it around. I don't
1: think he'll be on the roster next year. So much for being a mauler at Oklahoma that the Bills could count on with that second round pick uh, in the draft a couple years ago. What a what a bust that has turned out to be. Yeah, that was a terrible miss. And they traded up to get him. Oh, add insult to injury out there. But at least the Bills have managed to resemble a a pretty decent offensive line between Dawkins, Bucker, Morris at center. Uh, And Darrell Williams on the right side, Feliciano. I don't know what they're going to do. I hope Spencer Brown is ruled eligible and can play because his presence would mean that the Bills could get the starting five out there that they need to contain a Jacksonville Jaguars unit that does like to bring the pressure and does like to bring the blitz. But Jamie, when it comes to we talked earlier about, you know, Josh Allen for Buffalo and Trevor Lawrence and how their rookie seasons, they had that tendency for hero ball and to try to force things into tight windows. I cannot believe I'm saying this, but the Jacksonville Jaguars are completely inept when it comes to takeaways. They have just two total interceptions on the season and no fumble recoveries. It's the worst. They're on par for the worst record for total takeaways on a season in in the last twenty years. It's unbelievable how inept they are at forcing those turnovers. The Bills are plus thirteen. Jacksonville is minus eleven. That's. Unbelievable,
0: you know, because you look at their corners, Shaq Griffin specifically. He's been around for a number of years. He's been a quality player. Obviously, he doesn't have good hands. Um, you have Tyson Campbell on the other side. He was a second round pick this past year, so people are expecting him to develop. You would think they'd be able to squeeze the ball when when it gets well when it comes their direction, but. Uh, Andrew Wingard, uh, Rayshawn Jenkins, they're two safeties. Not guys that I'm terribly familiar with, and there's probably good reason for that. Now, I realize I'm showing my naivete by saying I'm not terribly familiar with them, and I apologize. However, if they're not getting the pass rush that they should be getting, and they have guys on the back end with questionable hands, that means it's going to open up the offense to take some chances. and I'm looking forward to that. I Don't think that this is going to be the game where the Jaguars turn it around and get some turnovers, assuming the Bills don't fumble. Fumbles, you never know which direction they're going to bounce. But when it comes to interceptions, I think it's very telling that they only have two.
1: Yeah, that is not a great stat for the Jaguars, and they are definitely not good at turning over the ball, forcing those turnovers, giving their team a short field on offense. They also have a major, I can't wait to see, Jamie, you talk about somebody who has had a renaissance these last couple of weeks. Cole freaking Beasley is going to have a massive game because Miles Jack is not great in coverage. He's never been good during his career, but especially this year. He has allowed 14 of 17 passes thrown his way to be completed for 157 yards and two touchdowns. 14 of 17. If you get Cole Beasley, if you get Emmanuel Sanders, you get the backs coming out of the backfield against Miles Jack. It is a recipe for success all day long.
0: First of all, that's an amazing statistic, and I've got to know where you found it.
1: I am going to give credit where credit's due to our very own Sean Murphy with Buffalo Rumblings. Ah. God, that's a good one. Well, it sounds like sounds like we know
0: where we gotta throw the ball, huh? It looks like it's Tommy Sweeney. Over the middle
1: of the field, target Miles Jack. Yeah, get get Tommy Sweeney involved, get Cole Beasley, get Emmanuel Sanders, those crossing routes, those quick slants. It's gonna be there all day. The Jaguars are pretty good on run defense. They give up a little bit less than four yards per carry. I think they're at 3.8 on the season but they can be had when it comes to the passing game. So Josh is going to have a big game. What do you see, Jamie, as far as this game playing out score-wise? I think we all say the Bills are going to win. How big of a win is Buffalo going to have?
0: I think it's going to be pretty sizable. I'm looking, and I think this is about what I said last week, close to it. This might be your actual score. I'm looking at 34-13 Buffalo.
1: I love it. That was my score prediction from last week. That was bound to go wrong, and clearly, it did go wrong. But thirty-four to thirteen, Jamie, the Bills fans would take that. That means Buffalo continues to score in the red zone. They continue to have both the most productive scoring offense and the stingiest scoring defense. I feel like Buffalo is going to put up a little more than that. I'm going to go forty, and I'm going to say they're going to give up ten. Mm, okay, that's a that would cover. All day long, 40 to 10. I could see the defense getting another huge performance. Last week, I called for a pick six. Uh, that did not happen. This week, let's roll it back. Let's double down. The Bills will get a pick six, and Jordan Poyer is going to be the one who comes down with it. And with some key blocking, we'll find his way into the end zone. Market it as not happening. But I'm going to call it anyway. He was close. He came within 10 yards. Oh, it, he was close. He must have listened to Bill Eve, too. i think it's only brandon bean we can count on every week though this, this should be must-listen for all the members of Bills Mafia and the Buffalo Bills themselves. But uh, we are going to call it a, a show here on Bill Leave with Jamie and I both calling for the Bills to comfortably win and get to 6-2 and two on the season. We would love to get your feedback. What are your score predictions for the game? How well do you think this Bills defense will fare in forcing turnovers? Give us your thoughts. Jamie on social media is at the Jamie D'Amico and I am at John JohnBoccasino. You can also follow us on social media at BuffRum. Rumblings, and you can comment on the articles on rumblings.com. For my colleague, Jamie D'Amico, signing off for the 201st time on Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do.